0: Welcome and thank you for listening. This is Claiming Your Voice with Janice Garrard. In this podcast, I feature people who have stories of passion with messages of hope, inspiring others to claim their voice in a world where we can be bold together. Tonight, my guests are Mark Miner and Joe Soule. They have been previous guests before and welcome gentlemen to this discussion tonight. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Janice, Janice. We're
0: gonna talk about we're going to talk about adoption and i know that both of you have pretty set views on the pros and cons of this subject and so who would like to go first on that
2: all right i'll stick my nose in first okay, ah, joe is going to speak i, I first. am against adoption the way we do it and i believe that Because of the way the word is used, we need to use another word for children. There's always going to be children who need homes. But I believe that we should think about legalized guardianship, which is what they do in some countries in Europe, where a child gets a new set of parents, um, and the child's name is never changed, and the child's culture is never changed, and there's no secrets, and their birth certificate's not changed. and they stay with that family, that's their family, but they never lose contact with their original family, no matter what. Um, I, I did training, a year of training with children um, in foster care, and the best day of their week was when they visited, supervised the crack-addicted moms. They had to see their moms. And so w- we have to find a way to never uh, ever cut that contact away. The um, uh, United Nations, the UNICEF uh, conference, World Conference on the on the Rights of the Child, states that no child should ever lose contact with their parents. Why should we do that to children? Um, Mark, come on, then we'll go back and forth.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, but I am for adoption because I know that there are situations within society, and it's not a product of. Of hate or uh, a product of fear. It's a product of reality um, from our own society that it's a necessity as to whether or not a child should lose their bond with their, uh, their, their biological family or their, their original uh, roots. I disagree with that completely. And I think that we're seeing it change in society right now with the loss of uh, closed adoptions. However, it's still a battle for adoptees to endure, realizing that there are still closed adoptions where people don't get access to their information. And that in and of itself, I think is the detriment, not only the loss of, of, of history and root, but the loss of self from the reaction of being separated or segregated from your biological family. Which is a trauma. Which is a trauma. Absolutely. I don't think anybody, anybody who who denies that is definitely losing their mind because they haven't done their homework.
2: (laughs) Um, Okay. So why do we have to call it adoption?
1: You know, I've always said that it's mentoring. I've always said that it's, it's, it's not, it's life coaching. It's, Teaching an individual about how to survive in a world where there are things far outside their control—if you—if you call it adoption—that's—I—I got to be honest with you. Yeah, if—if—if if, if we're calling the entire entity an ad, a, a adoption, uh, yeah, I would disagree with adoption. But at the same time, we don't—we don't have the ability to change everybody's reality in regards to adoption because it's so integrated with money. And to do that would take an astronomical amount of money and marketing to change it. So we have to. And I, I disagree with it, but it, it is what we have right now.
2: What about what about the, the societal stigma? Of being adopted, um, I, I was uh, stopped on the. On, and I was doing some political rabble rousing and, and, and a very. Um, beautiful BMW pulled up in front of where we were and some guy came out in his three-piece suit and he asked us what we were doing and we said we were walking to Washington for civil rights and adoption and he looked at me and he said why are you walking I said I'm adopted he said you don't look adopted you look like you come from a good family but but that exists that that we're third class citizens absolutely so why do we have to call it adoption why because we don't have I the
1: power, I, I think that if we're to to look at the entity as um, a negative in adoption, we don't have as adoptees, as a as a community of adoptees, um, as well as birth mothers and adopters, we don't have the power to change the stigmatism behind it in regards to its definition. What we can do. And what I believe in doing in life is setting example. You want to call me adopted, that's fine. If you want to call me, you know, uh, disabled from adoption, that's fine. But test me.
2: No, we can't change the stigma. I agree. We can't change the stigma. So why not just change the laws so that it is a legalized process that you have a new home? And that nothing, this is what they do in some of the countries in yep. Europe, and it works very well. Yep. Um, uh, other, there, there are always going to be children who need new homes. It's how we handle it. Absolutely. And, and there doesn't have to be a stigma if we handle it right.
0: Okay. So, Joe, before we started recording, you were referring to, um, I believe, was it Holland? that? Yes. Okay. Could you talk about that a little bit, how they've done? these reforms? Um, Holland, Belgium,
2: and, and Sweden, and I think the other countries in Scandinavia, but I'm not sure, they have the best sex education country, uh, programs in the world. They have the lowest abortion rates in the world and they have the lowest adoption rates in the world, surrenders. Very few women uh, do not keep their babies in those countries. Um, it's very rare that some that's, that a newborn baby is available. Um, So most of the people who want to adopt have to go to Asia and and South Africa and and South America to find babies or the the Ukraine. Um, But they know the damage that's done to the adoptees and the mothers who lose their babies, um, the emotional um, trauma that it costs and the the, um, money that it costs the country to give them services that they need mental health-wise. Um, and I, I would suspect medically because you don't have a, if you don't have a medical history, then you're more more apt to have a problem um, as you get older with with your health. So those countries have have basically stopped adoption
1: from within their shores, and rightfully so. But they also closed adoption outwardly. You can't you can't adopt one of the those babies from America. They they. <laughs> that's true they shut that door completely because they did realize completely yes just like australia australia gave a national apology to its individuals of adoption because they realized
2: yes and that is that is just the prime minister of australia apologizing to all the mothers and all the adoptees who were hurt by forced adoption so it's rather incredible
0: So now these countries that are starting to close adoptions, how are they finding the resources? Uh, Do they, are the mothers who are able to keep their children, do you know of anything that they're doing to help support these mothers keep their children then? The
2: the ones uh, that I mentioned um, give them um, family preservation money. It's not welfare. It's family preservation. They do everything they can to keep families together. In, in those aforementioned countries. Mm-hmm.
1: And the Lutheran Church in the United States did change their laws or their, their practices in regards to adoption, so that they realized the trauma within the community of adoptees and switched it over to mentoring and fostering uh, first mothers so that those individuals could Uh, basically come online and be entities in society. There's a lot of lack of education in the world, especially in the United States, especially if you get into the belts where there are uh, workforces instead of uh, societies. Uh, A lot of states have workforce laws, and we see this across the, the country. And it's not just the Southern belt of the United States, but a good majority of it is. at the same time, they lack education. Therefore, we see these programs and adoption still being instigated or instituted and mothers losing their children. I think that's why I'm in North Carolina. (laughs) Quite quite so.
0: Let me throw in a, a topic here about foster care then, Mark, because we know that you, from your previous interview, had told us that you had grown up in foster care. So, what would you say to that situation about the amount of st- children that are in foster care? That I, I like got to be honest with you, family?
1: If, if we're to if we're to ever endeavor in changing or altering the reality of foster care, um, the the system has to acknowledge it, too. It's not just, you know, my opinion. My opinion is my opinion. That doesn't have any factual uh, prominence within society that's going to change their reality. Because we already know the traumas within foster care. They're well documented. They're well pronounced. And even more so now with social media that we can hear these. Um, I think I've got a book here. Yeah. Ambition, the poet, who was a foster care uh, child, he wrote an entire book of poetry just in regards to the traumas of the reality. I could too, but I don't think that it would do any good. And here's the thing. That's part of trauma. It quiets you. It silences you. That's why I enjoy this. But in order to change it, we have to unleash it unleash the voice and they don't want that because that would create a a systemic (laughs) chain reaction of lawsuits uh, in reality and that's that's going against what the entire entity is about it's about money
0: so mark you're really talking about a bigger that whole bigger system the yeah. adoption system the foster care system i think that you that, have to that's making you have money to zoom
1: of out you have to zoom out to a 30,000 mm-hmm. foot view you can't just do it just one individual or one entity or one section the private section the social services section you can't just do one entity if you want to change it you have to acknowledge it wholly and mm-hmm. that's not going to happen that's where that's where somebody could be really Ticked off, I think. <laughs>
0: okay, so so Joe, what is your opinion of, of what Mark just said then um, of um, not um, being I'm able to make not those not changes?
2: My area of expertise
0: foster care was not my area
2: of expertise. Okay, so uh, it's not it's not something that I can uh, discuss re- uh, intelligently.
0: Okay, so let's let's go ahead and we're going to talk about racism within adoption mm. and. Um, which I think is very interesting because I'm a Korean born person. And I faced, I think looking back at it, attitudes of what you would call ethnophobia growing Mm. up. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I had teachers that treated me like I was a princess. And then I had teachers that kind of didn't have time for me. So I saw both sides of that. I had bullying from classmates, and even then, as I got to be an adult, I experienced uh, mistreatment from employers. So, both of you being fair-skinned, can you tell me about your experiences?
1: Okay. I
2: talk about racism. It's got to be what I've learned from working with people of color. Okay. Um, so let's take Korea. When babies are born, they know um, what their mother's eyes are. They can recognize their mother's eyes, their mother's face. They know what their mother's voices are supposed to sound like because they they heard them in utero. They know what their mothers are supposed to smell like. They know what the country is supposed to smell like. And they know even what kind of food they're supposed to get. It's built into their genes. So now take a baby who's taken from their Korean mother, and brought to the noise of an airport, trauma, put on a plane, trauma, to to be with all that noise and people around them now who are starting to talk in a new language. And now they're brought to a white mother most of the time who does not smell right or sound right or feel right. Um, And her, her eyes are wrong. So she's the wrong mother. And it's, it's, this is nothing about the mother's fault. The baby is not safe. The first job a baby has in this world is to develop a sense of trust in the world. And how can the baby have a sense of trust in the world when all her safety has been taken? She lost her mother and her mother country and her mother tongue. Um, everything that she should have is gone. So she faces an extreme Job um, to just get over the to not get over to deal with that trauma. And now she's brought to a white racist country, in my belief. There's racism everywhere. And once you start to get those looks, even as a child, whether you're aware of it or not, or remember it or not, you get that racist look. It's more trauma. Anything that reminds you of your loss, which the look, the look does sets up more trauma for you because anything that reminds you of trauma causes trauma. So you're you're just completely dealing with trauma every day, plus whatever you're conscious of as as you get older and you get to recognize the look that people give you. And then um, what I've learned is that so many, um, especially Asian, Koreans, uh, uh, Chinese, girls are abused in a lot of ways in their adoptive homes. Uh, it, the, the statistics are terrible. Um, it, it breaks my heart. Um, and I've met so many who were um, abused uh, and made to be uh, act like a maid, act like a servant, act like a cupid doll um, yeah. and not be treated as a human being. Um, and I too many people have told me that their parents were racist and how a child of color can go into, I mean, it happens so often, a child of color goes into a white home where they're racist and they make racist remarks in front of them. So <laughs> I don't know what to say, except that it's, it's a very, it's a very hot topic. And again, most of my clients are of color and, and which is how I've learned, um, my first client was a, was a Korean uh, adoptee. Um, and, and I've learned so much from working with my clients, I've learned from them. Um, it's, it's children, I've, I met once a, a Chinese, and then I'm gonna turn the microphone over to Mark real quick. I, I met a Chinese um, uh, born adoptee who lives in Canada who said to me that she found her family and they were living in basically a mud hut. And that somehow somebody had found them and brought them to some place where they could talk on the internet and talk to each other. And, and this very well educated Chinese adoptee started to cry and she said, I would rather have grown up in the mud hut. If you ever get a chance to watch the NBC documentary um, filmed on the island of Jeju, Jeju in Korea, about the life. I heard about there. that there, and it's it's basically a fishing village. They 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 live. Uh, they make their money catching fish or sponges. Um, and I know some adoptees who were uh, born there, and it's caused them a lot of pain to watch what they could have, could have had. Um, I would have rather been in a, in a box car. Uh, and growing up with my own mother, and eating out of, uh, eating cans, canned uh, camels beans, uh, <laughs> and then have the, the, uh, the life that I had. Um, I would have made something out of myself anyway, because that's in my genes. Mark?
1: I think this is, this is like um, a topic we shouldn't even be able to have in the 21st century. We're so advanced you know we have so much technology, and we surpass it, and yet dismiss sociology completely because that we're so enthralled with technology in the reality. I've, I've, what was it last year? There was a, um, there was the country awards, and there was a child um, that was adopted by a country singer. And they had another child in the family that was white. And they brought this poor little girl on um, that was black. And I just felt so, it, it hit my soul. It didn't just hit my mind. It hit my body, hit my soul. I mean, how could you, how could you not know the, the truths of individuals' roots and, and think that it was okay. And that the way that they were promenading her on stage really just, it just, it just hurt. It just um, really hurt. You know?
2: Racism is taught.
1: Yeah. And
2: once it's taught, people people don't seem to be able to un- unlearn it.
1: And here we are in the 21st century and this is happening. I remember meeting a, a very prominent uh, lawyer and he had, um, a trophy room in his, in his basement. And this trophy room was filled with lions, tusks of, of, of elephants. And then I, I found out that he had like nine Asian girls that he had adopted. He had like seven Porsches. I had to leave. I personally just had to leave. As an adoptee who never even dealt with racism Uh, I it it just it just struck a chord with me so that I couldn't stand it I literally couldn't stand it as a human being I found it disgusting even if I even though that I didn't know everything about the situation or what was actually transpiring it was literally hurtful to, to self
2: so he 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 had trophies of elephants and trophies of children
1: yep that is, that is how disgusting it is in reality of society today that we think that it's okay. And I don't.
2: Uh, I don't know how... It, how Years ago, there was um, a book about... Um, there were several books, uh, research on, on transracial adoptions. Mm-hmm. And the researchers were adoptive mom social workers. And what they uh, did is mm-hmm. they went to adoptive homes... And they interviewed the teenagers in front of their adoptive parents about how wonderful adoption was. Well, how what were they going to get other than, <laughs> other than adoption's wonderful? That, that that's it's just crazy. Right. Um, so children belong. Children belong with. I believe children belong with their own people.
1: I agree, and I believe uh-huh. it's 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 actually humanistically, morally, ethically necessary for an individual to grow as an individual by knowing their roots?
2: Um, that doesn't mean that someone can't have a good life uh, as, as a transracial adoptee or, or transcultural adoptee. But it's the pain, that internal pain of where's my mother? Do you know the term high wraith H-I-R-A-E-T-H? Yep. Um, it's it's this longing to to for for longing to be someplace, and it's not necessarily defined. I think it's a it's a Gaelic word or or Welsh 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 origin. Um, it's it's fascinating to, to know that you you're not in the right place and to want to be with your own people basically. Um, no matter what, nobody can take away the pain of losing a mother. Not the best adoptive mom in the world. Um, can 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 take away that pain of, of what we lost.
1: This is a reminder.
2: Oh
1: a clean oh. litter bomb.
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay, Joe.
1: We can edit that That's out. What... <laughs> she,
2: she,
0: she's gonna run for president
2: one day. Alexa. <laughs> so oh, okay. but Joe,
0: I'd like to read something that I saw you had posted on Facebook and the quote is, we adopt And um, I have to start over. We adoptees and mothers of adoption, loss must walk through our pain, re-experience the feelings of our trauma, this time in the presence of loving witnesses in a safe, slow process. We see what we survived and we learn that we have an unbreakable self and that our feelings will not destroy us. Very powerful. Can you talk
2: to okay. that. Um, the, the book Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman, which is a book used by every, almost every uh, trauma specialist in the world as the beginning book. Um, and what she talks about is that to heal from a trauma, you have to experience the emotions of the trauma in a safe place with uh, loving witnesses, people around you who care about you and understand what you've been through and you can see what you survived. It's really necessary to know. We don't, what's terrifying for us as adoptees is we don't know what it was like because we don't remember it consciously. And so there's a terror to think about those emotions. So if I can find it, which is what I do in my healing weekends, help people feel safe enough to go back into that pain and let it out and and soul cry to cry from the tips of their toes and, and with people around them who will comfort them. And we see what we survive and we can stop being afraid of it. We can stop being afraid of our own um, emotions. And this is, this is what trauma survivors need to do. It's easier for a natural mother to do it. Not that the pain is less, but our natural mothers know what they survived. They remember it. Yep. And, and so that's they have it, what's called a pre-traumatic self and we, we don't. So that's why we need to see that, which I mentioned in the quote, that self, that our, our unbreakable, um, unconquerable self that exists within us. And if it didn't, we would not be talking. So, I, um, so I, sometimes I think it's a miracle that any of us have survived this.
1: I agree. I'm a huge fan of um, letting trauma out. And for me, one of the greatest ways to do that is is to destroy something. I'm I'm a huge fan of break rooms. And this is something that I think that adoptees would especially benefit from. When you can destroy something and give it a, a label, whether it's adoption, a family member, or a coworker, but being able to get that that negative energy and exude it,
2: you don't mean something. Yeah. You don't mean something physical to break,
1: like 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 glass. Yep. Oh, you do. Oh yeah, I do. Glass, glass, a television, a couch. Take it to a chainsaw. <laughs> and this is this is noted in society over eons. We know that being able to exert this energy out from our psychological uh, perspective helps alleviate the, the pain of it because you are letting out that true emotion.
2: So what I've helped my clients do is channel their anger and use it to do something physical, meaning I say out loud in my head, I'm going to take my anger and use it to clean the house or exercise, um, or, or, uh, or write a book. Yep or ride a bicycle, anything, just to use the anger. So I'm with you. We have to get the anger out because I think the anger that we have uh, is nuclear.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: The the anger that babies have when they're separated from their mothers right after birth, when they get the smack on the behind, (laughs) and it's rage, and it's nuclear rage. I want to go back in the womb. I want to be with my mommy, right? (laughs) So we, we have that rage at losing our mothers and never going back. The the child who stays with their mother who isn't adopted, they're separated, which is painful, a trauma, but they go back to their mother's body, their mother's breast, their mother's milk, and they feel safe again. Yep. We don't get that. And that's part of the trauma that we have.
1: So that's why I like break rooms, is because you can visibly see the result. And there it lies in front of you, something destroyed. And there it lies in its own picture of itself as the trauma. Um, so when you get a chance, you get a
2: piece of paper. And without even thinking, take some magic markers and draw a picture of your anger. See what, see what comes up.
1: I've got a few. <laughs> I love art. <laughs> there, there's some pretty amazing and destructive views of, of anger, but being able to give it something and make it into a manifestation of reality, I think is important.
0: So Joe, we're, we're talking about the emotion of anger and you're telling your clients, then the people that you work with to, it sounds like you're telling them to use their anger into constructive ways and maybe not taking it out and breaking a TV but you said like clean the house, gardening, mow the lawn, write a book. Um, I do suggest that they
2: get a punching bag.
0: Okay.
2: Um, to, to do it that to do to do it that way. Um, so um, if this is this is just my method, but uh, there's there's certainly other ways. I just want to make sure that they're safe, that nothing nothing nobody gets hurt. Um, and what I've what I've done with the inner child work that's my method of therapy is channeling. Um, to, to help myself. And it really, what happens is, and I didn't make this up, I was, I was taught this, that when you channel your anger, you're into doing a physical activity that you were going to do anyway, then it doesn't take any time, because you were going to do that activity. But you're using your negative energy to do the energy to do the activity, and your positive energy is left over. And so so you now have you have you get a, tri- a double benefit here right okay. I'm, I'm going to use use my negative energy to do something my positive energy that I would have used I still have it and there's something else when I do it somehow the thing I didn't want to do gets done easier and I don't mind doing it because my anger's doing it um, I'll remember
0: that, I like next it. time I'll, I'll vacuum the house then,
2: the uh, next time uh, I get angry. Uh, uh, you, if you don't have a copy of my book, let me know and I'll send you the PDF um, and on, on how to do it.
0: Okay. I need that PDF then. <laughs>
2: okay. Just, just remind so, me when the show is over and I'll send you the PDF.
0: Okay, awesome. Awesome. So there was one other thing that I was thinking about to ask you guys. Even though you can channel all of this negative energy, what do you have to say to the person who puts on Facebook constantly negative negative thoughts about their situation? (laughs) Is there ever a point where the person transitions from being negative all the time and saying, I can't do anything about my past, but I can go forward? What do you have to say about
2: um, that? Joe, we'll let you go first. Well, to share something, it, I went to therapy twice a week for six years and I wouldn't talk about adoption. I was terrified that it would kill me. And so my belief is that when someone is saying all those things, they're afraid to get help because, because they're gonna to have to touch those emotions that, that go back to the beginning of their life that have to do with separation from their mother. And they can't tolerate the thought because it's, they think they'll die. And I used to think I would die. It's really, really hard. And it's not their fault they, they don't, you know, the people mm-hmm. face what they can face when they can. They don't, I'm sure they do not like where they are, but they don't know what to do about it. And and when I, I invite people to come to my nightly chat room often um, and they're afraid to do that because they're going to have to talk about, or they're afraid they're going to have to talk about things that that are going to destroy them. And this is, um, you think about, and I know some uh, policemen who are afraid to get therapy, and, and what they more often do is they drink at the end of the day. Almost every cop show that I watch on TV, at the end of the day, they're drinking. They're having beer, they're drinking scotch or something. This is what they show on TV, in and, and the, and the dramas. Why? Because it's reality, sadly. They see things that no human being should ever see. Um, the soldiers see things that no human being should ever see. And and they need help to deal with those horrible images. But they're afraid because if they go talk about it, they're going to have to visualize those those horrible things again. And they're terrified of doing that. I I, I get it and and you sorry I took it off subject a little bit but no that's okay I know too many people who do exactly what you're talking about I see I see those posts the only thing we can do is to say I care and I know there's a way to get some help if you'd like it I agree and and, and maybe one day maybe I tell you a quick story I had a friend who was an alcoholic and I pushed him to go to therapy he went to one session, he came back, and he called me and he swore at me. He said, I have to go pay somebody to ask me questions about my mother and father and make me cry. I'm not paying somebody to do that. But what it really was is he, it was the pain that came up for talking about his mother and father. Why should I have to do that? It's not fair. It's not fair. But, but what we've had to do isn't fair either. Okay.
1: Absolutely. But, but clearly we've done work. I think that from my perspective, um, I went out and looked for uh, psychology in regards to my own situation Mm -hmm. and found a very dark avenue of psychology. I found more help within the community of adoptees and getting together and having conversations and when I meet individuals that are stuck in those loops of, of trauma, it's because they haven't been heard. They just haven't been acknowledged in their reality. Part of trauma is that you, you're not heard. It's, it's silenced. It's silencing of self. And being able to, to exert that, I think, is important for adoptees. That's why I'm such a, an advocate for, you know, adoption communities. Uh, these, these small Facebook groups, um, Zoom meetings, I think are- Physical support groups. Hmm? Support groups. Exactly. You know, and it, it, in, in psychology knows it as well, is that the most beneficial is being able to get with community of like-minded individuals so that you can have those conversations and feel comfortable within a group of individuals that have similar, not the same, not always the same, that's for sure. But at the same time, being able to get information or resources is excessively important for individuals to find help that they need. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of adoptee competent therapists, Joe Saul and others. I'm a huge proponent of groups like Heareth and others, because it allows you to begin the process of processing the trauma.
2: Um, When I graduated from social work school, I went to the dean of the school and I said it would be a good idea for the school to teach adoption and foster care issues. And she said, oh, we can't do that. And I I nagged her for quite a while before she would give me a reason. And the reason is we have too many adoptive parents who are trustees of 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 the school. And if we teach adoption issues, it means there's something wrong with adoption. And then they'll stop raising money for us and giving us money so we can't teach it. And it's not taught on a regular basis anywhere in the country. Yep. How can that be okay?
1: We so what is, what, is it, what is an adoptee left to do? He's left to search out community so that he can find self in the community and begin a process of, of growing without being the, the odd man out from the traumas of adoption.
2: So how many adoptees are on Facebook? Take a guess. I don't know the answer. Take a guess.
1: I would, I would easily say less than 20 to 30%. Well, now give me a number. Uh, I want to say close to 200,000, 300,000. Okay. I'm guessing. So, I'm so, just uh, guessing. Look, don't, don't quote know, me on this.
2: <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I don't know, but let's take that number. There are 8, million, eight million adopted people in this country. Where are we getting help? Right, We're not, that's the problem. There's 8 million natural moms in this country, roughly. They're not getting help, why not? Nobody teaches it, nobody, ha- nobody directs people to go get help to search. People do not know they need to prepare to search. So what, what, what most adoptees and most natural moms are just floating around with, with resourceless and it's, it's, tra- it's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. I ran, I had for a while, some public service announcements on television um, about my group until a uh, natural father reporter, one one of the anchors actually on Fox TV, saw the, the commercials and got them, they were running on all the stations, on all the networks, got them taken off. And when I spoke to him, he said, I don't want anybody ever to know that they can get help to find me. Yep. And so the, they, that's it. That was the end of my public service announcements. Uh, and they, so maybe- they, were, they were not, they were, they're on my website. They were not negative about adoption. All they were, all they were was saying, if you are adopted or you are an actual mom, or if you are an adoptive parent, here's a place you can get help. I had three different commercials, one for each, and th- mm-hmm. they were taken off because it's it's not okay, <laughs> it's not okay to give out information about
0: adoption.
1: I think you know that- what,
0: Joe. That might go. i uh, sorry, Mark. Let me. I want to finish this thought. Is that it might go back to that taboo subject that we had first talked about before we started our recording.
2: They talk about sex.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it might,
2: it might, we don't do a good job with teaching, uh, teaching sex in this country. Sex education is terrible.
0: And I think what's odd about the whole thing is that it's supposed to be such a taboo subject. It's a shameful subject, but it's how we all got
1: here. Even worse, It's, it's a product of your, it's a product of your natural being. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, It's a primal, it's a primal entity within the reality of humans.
0: Well, it's supposed to be, I, in my own (laughs) opinion, I think it's supposed to be a beautiful act. Right. And if it results in a life, then why is it shameful?
1: Well, because we censor it in America.
2: (laughs) Well, because some, because there's religious issues and some religions make it shameful. Ah, there we go. And, And. Um, when, when, when I grew up, nobody ever said the word, the word was not spoken ever. That that just went in body parts. Like nobody would even dare say breast. Okay.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Even even, you can't talk about a chicken that way. So, (laughs) um, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um. Part of part of what happens for us, and and uh, it's been written about, and I wrote about it, is something called um, gender confusion that goes on with us adoptees because we don't have someone who looks like us of the same sex that we're growing up with, and it can and it can really cause the confusion as to who am I really? Am I really a man? Am I really a woman? It's a common. It's one of the common problems that we face. We can't even talk about sex. And most adoptive homes that I know of don't talk about sex because it didn't work in those homes. Yeah, I'm, exactly. not, I'm, not, exactly. I'm not being cruel. I mean, it didn't work, so they needed to find a way to get a baby, and so they don't talk about sex. So we don't get a good sex education as adoptees. It, it just it just gets worse, and we and it should be it should be taught. Sex education should be taught well in school. It, it just should and and it's like you said it's a fact of life that's how we got here however however it's very common for us adoptees to wonder if we're really born do I really exist um, uh, did I come from Mars do so it was did somebody just snap their fingers and oh yeah I came from a birth certificate or I came from an adoption agency this this is this is not an unusual, um, quandary for us uh there is um eric erickson the famous therapist said that if you don't know your forebears for two generations you cannot have what he called a sense of actuality and he meant that you that you you your life and events in your life would not seem real the way they do to other people because we're not because we don't grow up with our own people
1: very true very true no foundation.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a mess for us. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know where we were going to go with 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 your with your topic. Um, I, I don't even know where to go with it. It's 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 certainly is adoption is certainly tied up with it intricately.
1: I can I I can tell you a story. Uh, when I was growing up, I moved out of the house, and um, I. I, I couldn't live where I was. So I actually went out and tried to find a place on my own. And the person that I met was a gentleman who owned a hair salon. And his name was Rick. And he was gayer than a $3 bill. But he had this little sign in his shop that said, room for rent. And I rented the room. I met Rick by going in and saying, I would like to rent the room. He said, shut up, sit down. I've got to give you a haircut. (laughs) And I learned more about reality and sexuality from Rick, who is gay, about heterosexual and homosexual than I would have ever gotten from my adoptive family. And if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be so acceptant in people's realities on sexuality i think that a lot of people have a stigmatism in regards to whether or not sexuality is something that should be a reality for individuals to grow within it's natural and i think that the that that adoptees don't get that that ability to explore it because they're we're all too busy or for me i was too busy just trying to survive okay. so we don't have that opportunity to grow within that i was given a very lucky situation where i was given you know a multi view not just a focal bent view of reality uh, my my adoptive father's uh talk was throwing me a, a playboy and going here figure that out <laughs> At the same time, I had other events going on in my life that allowed me to have a broader perspective and understanding and have those thoughts. You actually have to have those thoughts in order to develop the reality of truth. And I think that a lot of adoptees don't get that opportunity. For sure.
0: Well, we've certainly covered a lot of ground here about being Um, (laughs) pro-adoption, talked about uh, racism, and then finally sexuality, and I think it all really comes down to our identity and who we are as adoptees, and I love it, Joe, that you, your posts on Facebook and saying that, you know, we can live through those feelings of pain, it doesn't kill us, we survive. And we are here. So just in a few words, just to wrap this up, any final thoughts? Um,
2: I wish that uh, people would educate themselves well about adoption that would read. Um, most of the people that I know who are still struggling will not read um, any of the healing books. They'll read the autobiographical books but they won't read books like Primal Wounds. Everybody should read Primal Wounds. And so many people just won't read it. That, for example, or The Girls Who Went Away, and people will Oh, good book. Um, we, we, need, we, need to, we need to be educated. Everybody needs to be educated if we're gonna survive, if we're gonna survive this well. So, mm. um, and I'm glad for this opportunity to uh, be on your show.
0: Well, thank you so much, Joe. Mark, do you have I, any final remarks?
1: I actually wanna just reiterate what Joe said. And I think it's a foundation in growth to educate oneself. And whether or not you find the, the good resources or the bad resources, it's still a resource that you get to make a choice or a decision in your own reality. You learn about being a woman. You learn about being a man. You learn about being a banker. You learn about being a psychologist. I think that endeavoring and learning about being adopted is a good thing too for an individual because that allows you to heal not only yourself, but others because the group will grow in society as it stands today. So I think it's important that we learn about being adopted and what that means and what that needs as an individual. And I want to thank you for, for hosting this as well.
0: Absolutely. And Mark, do you want to tell us where listeners can find you?
1: You can find me on uh, YouTube fireside adoptees, or you can find us at Facebook and, um, and we'll let you in in a group chat, uh, Fireside Adoptees Connect.
0: Okay. And Joe, your information for contact? Uh, adoptionhealing.com. And that website leads to everything else. Okay. Awesome. And also, people can find out about your adoption healing weekends there too.
1: Yes. Awesome.
0: <laughs> so I thank you, gentlemen. I celebrate both of you. And Joe, in all of your endeavors to bring adoption to the forefront, I think Mark and I can probably agree that we're with you on that.
1: Thank you, Joe.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.